Welcome to the Boardroom Podcast, presented by the Political Action Committee, People for a Better DeSoto County, with your hosts, Chad and Ben. We hope to give you an informative look into local government by having a healthy discussion about city issues, interview a few friends, and have a little fun. Hello and welcome to the Boardroom Podcast. I'm Chad Wicker, Ward 4 Alderman. And I'm Ben Piper, Ward 6 Alderman. We're coming from you from Shelby Row Productions here in the heart of Ward 4, uh, the Kathy Place building. So, uh, Ben, what's going on, man? It's been a couple weeks since our last show. What you been doing? Yeah, it's been busy. It's been a busy, busy, busy February. There was a lot going on in February, and now we're uh, hurtling t- uh, through March, I guess, as well. So we've had a lot go on uh, with the city of Hernando. So let's touch on that just a little bit this week's meeting yeah let me bring up the agenda here we had a it was well i think it's about an hour and 45 minute meeting but really two two issues i guess we need to talk about that were kind of you know was the bulk of the meeting do you want to talk about the roundabout first or you want to talk about the delta delta uh, what's the thing called delta landing pud yeah we can definitely talk about delta landing pud and it's it's going to be located right across from the new hernando high school and speaking of the new high school our guest today is going to be Corey usselton the superintendent of Soto county school so he'll be coming on with us to discuss more about that high school but before we jump into all that let's talk about our our board of alderman meeting this uh this week and the delta landing pud which was previously approved as a PUD or a uh, planned, remind me again, planned urban development, correct, Yeah, that's right, yeah. Planned urban development, uh, and it was approved in 2007 under a previous board back before uh, we, we even had seven aldermen on the board. There was only five aldermen on the board then. It was unanimously approved in 2007, shortly after that area was annexed into the city limits. So that design had... Town, but plan unit development. Plan unit development. It's plan unit development. I couldn't remember if it's unit or urban. I could. So plan unit development. Uh, the uh, but that previous design was called Brighton Village. There was uh, a mix of uh, single family homes, multifamily, you know, higher density uh, dwelling units, uh, townhomes, uh, condominiums. It was it was very very. Um, diverse in terms of types of buildings in there. There are some commercial buildings as well, so it's a mixed-use development, uh, which you're seeing a lot more of nowadays uh, in DeSoto County. The uh, new design that was brought forward was much more heavily on single-family homes, and then there was uh, probably about 12 to 14 commercial buildings right in the front of the development that leads into uh, Mackinville Road. Uh, So, the, the board was really in a position where we had to decide between these two plans uh, for a developer to go forward. Uh, and so a lot of times in these situations, we will have a meeting with the developer where they kind of lay out the plan prior to the meeting with myself, uh, the mayor, and our planning director, just to gain any kind of feedback from whatever we're hearing from the residents here uh, in Ward 6. So we had that meeting. What The biggest thing that we that we came away with was that there was a lot of roads that were connecting to the north to establish neighborhoods, and a lot of those residents really did not want to see a lot of increased traffic uh, from the number of homes that were being constructed. So uh, we worked through that uh, part of it. And then the next thing we really focused on was the the density uh, and, and how many homes were in there. And we increased the size of some of the lots there to kind of address some of those things as well. And that's kind of part of those negotiations that we go through. Um, but it will be a fairly large 
development is certainly going to happen anytime you have a, a school that's announced a brand new high school that's going to be built you know typically development follows it uh, some of the other good things uh, that you'll see come from this development is that sewer will be connected to some of those neighborhoods to the north uh, dogwood hollow will be the first one that gets connected so if you live in that neighborhood uh, as this development comes about uh, sewer will get extended to you and that will not necessarily be as big of a cost to the taxpayers of Hernando. Uh, a developer is going to cover the, ma- the the bulk of that cost. Additionally, you should see uh, Brody Road uh, should get overlaid and also get uh, work on its shoulder to kind of expand it out for any additional traffic that comes uh, through it to this new development. Um, so there, there are a couple, a couple positives there that you will see if you live in that kind of Nesbitt area. Uh, additionally, the developer was willing to uh, pitch in on a traffic signal at uh, Pleasant Hill and Mackinvale once it's deemed necessary, probably based on the traffic count that you get overall. So all that being said, um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a big development. Uh, there's a lot of positivity that investors want to invest in Hernando. They want to build in Hernando. Uh, and, and the board did its best to... Um, accurately reflect what type of development uh, we would want to have in our community. So just from my perspective, I, mean, I, don't, I don't represent that area, so um, I don't have as many relationships uh, with the homeowners there. I did know some, and, and there were some, they had some concerns. And, and what I think this project, to me, uh, shows is a great partnership between uh, the developer and the city, uh, multiple meetings coming together, uh, working out issues. And I think we've got a very good development for that part of town, uh, I think eventually, I think you could have 600 homes or something like that. Yeah, a mixed-use area, nice walking trail, and, and they met every uh, issue we, we presented with them. We sat down with them. I know Ben did this a lot more than I did. The mayor, um, sit down with them, talk to them, explain to them the issues, and they came with a a good compromise uh, plan. And uh, so I, I think it's a good example of how uh, government and, and, a, and a private business can work together to get a good outcome for for us and the residents. It's something to be proud of. So. And really, the, the the and to kind of further explain it, so the, our, our planning commission voted to deny the application originally, and then some of the changes that we discussed previously, and some of the things we negotiated out for the you know developer to pay for, and some of the density related things, and and road connections, those were all negotiated after the planning commission's denial. So a lot of times that that does happen where you have the planning commission vote one way and the board votes opposite because there are major changes or major concessions that are made because the developer kind of gets the idea that like, Hey, like this isn't fitting what we, what we would like. We need to go back to the drawing board or we need to start at square one and say, okay, well, what's the problems here? How do we need to, how do we need to make changes so that, that we can move forward on this? And sometimes you can, and sometimes you find things to agree on. Sometimes you don't. Um, And that's, that's just part of what the job is. Well, one thing I think we need to point out is that, uh, the the area that kind of is going to butt up against the existing neighborhood there, uh, I think Wooten, what's that Wooten Road and Fonny there, yeah. those are going to be uh, R twenty homes, which is a twenty thousand square foot lot, which is nearly a, a half acre lot, twenty four hundred square foot, twenty four hundred square foot houses. So uh, that was a big concession to go from. I think it originally was R twelve. So. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, one thing that I had a concern about was the drainage, and, and we, we, we mentioned that to him, and he uh, agreed to uh, build the uh, property to the 50-year floodplain uh, flood event, um, which is, you know, I think going to be larger larger uh, drainage pipes and things to help with, with drainage. And, and those are all um, things that we asked him to do that he didn't have to. It's a little higher than what is regulated. 
Uh, and again, we were in a position where uh, if we turn this down, uh, something that we thought was a lesser development could go there uh, with our higher density uh, apartments and things like that. So that's why it's very important to, I think, pay attention to the things that happen at the planning meeting, play things that happen at uh, the board meetings, because this was approved right, Ben, I think in 2007 initially, yes, something like that. So uh, any developer could have built this up there with apartment complexes and townhomes and things, and there's nothing we could have really done about it. So, and I don't think the people of Fernando want to call apartment complexes and things. So um, that's why it's important to to pay attention to what's going on in your city. So moving on from that, we also had a uh, agenda item regarding uh, the intersection at 51 and Oak Grove Road. Now, anybody that has to take a kid to or a student to Oak Grove Central has probably seen the, the kind of the log jam out there at Oak Grove and 51. Or if you're coming back from playing baseball and softball, you might run to a, a little traffic jam there at, at Oak Grove and 51. So the uh, t- talk a little bit more about what we uh, what we voted on there, Chad. Yeah, so um, I think we mentioned this maybe in our first or second episode about uh, the roundabout going there at Oak Grove and 51. And so MDOT has moved forward with that. They've issued a permit, uh, and they want us to go ahead and start purchasing the right-of-ways uh, and, and uh, to pay to have the utilities moved. Um, and so that, that's what we were kind of voting on at the meeting. However, a lot of us board members had not seen the actual design of the roundabout. I know um, this is something that me and Ben actually voted differently on. Uh, I know I know Mr. Miller and and and, Ms. and, and Ben voted to uh, you know not to, to authorize to purchase those things because they have some uh, I think they have some concerns about the right of way I mean excuse me the roundabout and the design of it I know Mr. Miller um, he was very vocal about his uh, opposition to a roundabout he would rather see a traffic signal there and so we we were uh, I guess under the impression or, or, or we thought that uh, you know M dot had a lot of I guess. Uh, authority to put in what what they want to there and, and so they, they're asking or they're wanting to put in a roundabout uh, my understanding is because it's cheaper and, and uh, easier to maintain um, and so that that's that's what's going there um, I think it's a 2.5 million dollar project in which I think the the state's paying the bulk of it uh, uh, 2.2, I think. Yeah, I think uh used to be used to be Alderman McClendon but now Senator McClendon uh, has been working on that he he got the initial money from the state and then he's told me uh the other day that he's got a commitment for uh 2.2 million dollars uh to to get it completed and hopefully have it done i think what they said by august if everything goes right uh, this year so but the main thing here is what you're going to see you know with this roundabout there where these right-of-ways were being purchased uh, one of the issues i had with it was that it was this roundabout is off center um to the to the southeast so it's um, going to the right and then also down if you're if you're looking at the uh, the intersection. And Ben, just so everyone so. knows, we we have posted that on our our uh, uh, Facebook page, the Boardroom Podcast on Facebook. There's a there's a picture. Uh, now it is hard to see, but there's a picture of uh, the design. It's kind of red ink there. Uh, that that is what the design of the roundabout is. So. But if you take a close look at it, there will definitely be some trees uh, in that Conger, Conger Park uh, property that have to be taken out. There's also, uh, you know, a, a shopping center right there that is going to be very close uh, to their, you know, their parking lot ultimately when the, when this thing is constructed. So uh, certainly have some some safety concerns. Wanted to take some more time to understand it a little bit better, and that's why I would really rather have tabled it so that we could we could further discuss it and look at what other options potentially um, could be out there and what other you know what other kind of decisions we could make there. But 
Um, I think one thing we'll have to look at, and everybody's going to have to you know make their own decision on it for sure. Um, but we'll have to look at you know the the speed limit as you approach this roundabout signage. Um, I think they said they'd have some yellow signs there, but and then also what do we what do you have to do from a city standpoint to say you know hey this is how you use one of these things. I mean I don't you know not not everybody. Uh, you know, has has money and travels to Europe every summer, like some of these folks talk about. Well, they got them all over Europe. Well, that's great. Some people don't travel to Europe that often. Uh, so, you know, how do we how do we use? Are we going to use taxpayer funds to try to educate them on something that may they may not even really want? Um, that's kind of an interesting prospect there. But uh, you know, there, there will have to be some kind of education element in there uh, for people if, 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 as this project moves forward. I don't want to speak for Mr. Miller, but I think uh, he feels like this has been forced on us, uh, that we didn't have a lot of say in this, and that he, you know he certainly would rather have a traffic signal. Um, and like I said, we posted this on Facebook, and I've seen some comments and things. It's kind of a mixed uh, response. Some people are excited about it. Some people think it's going to cause traffic problems because people are not going to be able to you know, use a roundabout. So um, one, one of my favorite comments that I think I showed you yesterday was that uh, – uh, I don't. Want, I won't say her name, but she said that uh, uh, she's lived in Hernando for a long time. She said, 50 years now, people still in Hernando will still be driving around in circles." So that that was her comment. So, well, it's definitely a uh, it, people. If the project's completed as as it's drawn up, people will figure it out eventually. It, the growing pain of dealing with it is going to be uh, a little bit of a process, and change is always. Um, you know, difficult, certainly for some folks. And, you know, that's it's just part of the process here. But certainly you want to have caution as we're as we're moving forward with that project. People, you know, will have to slow down in that area. Hopefully we can address some of the speed limits and the other. Yeah, other I agree issues. with you. I think we got to look at the speed limit. Maybe we can get with the mayor or the chief of police, whoever sets that. And maybe uh, once that thing's opened up and maybe go down to 35 right there. Um, you know, I think uh, Alderman uh, Lynch asked a good question, too, about when it's when it's going to be. Uh, built how the traffic is going to affect, uh, you know, why the school traffic and why that why everything's going on there. Uh, I think the guy did say it was going to have to be shut down that intersection for seven days while it's while it's being built. So um, that's something that uh, we need to you know educate people on when it gets time. Well, I think that's that was really the bulk of the meeting. We we didn't give a shout out to our our student who did the pledge of allegiance, Carter Smith. She did a great job, stood up there and, awesome. and did the pledge. So, uh, besides those two items, really nothing uh, of consequence to uh, discuss. We did do some approved for some training for our police police department, uh, some stuff for our uh, parks department there. And we post this we post this agenda uh, out on the on the Facebook page as well. Um, I guess we can talk about the the kind of a big deal the uh, the skate park. We we approved the uh, contract to accept the contract for the uh, additions to the skate park out there. It was a uh, hundred fifty thousand dollars. There's a grant uh, covering most of that. Yeah, and so the the city's parts thirty thousand of that. So, uh, but that's going to basically double the size of the skate park there. Uh, in my understanding, make it more of a uh, obstacle kind of deal, like a um, things to do. I don't know. That's not my deal, yeah, man. I'm not, I'm not a. I'm not a. <laughs> I think like either, wheelies and stuff. Uh, yeah. So whatever they whatever they do out there, they're going to have more space to do it. So, um, you know that that will be a, a nice little development for them. So uh, talking about some of the the commenters and some of the things that we have on our uh, on our Facebook page, we did ask for questions uh, for for us to answer. And y'all certainly responded. So we want to get to some of those. I uh, don't have time to get to all of them, but we're certainly going to get to some of them. All right. So one of these uh, is what 
What are the plans for Holly Springs and Mackinvale? That's that's a good we're question. Talking, we're already yeah. talking about roundabouts. Let's well, think. so that my understanding, and, and I th- well, it's not my understanding. I know that uh, there's a roundabout that's designed there. I believe it's going to be excess of four hundred thousand dollars, maybe closer to half a million now. And um, it's just a matter of when the city can afford to do that project. Um, and so, we're, and we're talking about in case you're uh, when we say Holly Springs and Mackinville, it's where Mackinville Road turns into Holly Springs Road. There's kind of a three way uh, right there that. Um, you know, certainly has had increased traffic with the uh, principal Toyota going in. There's some other, there's a gas station, gas station there going now, in. So, uh, more commerce in that area. And, um, you know, certainly, certainly needs to be addressed one way or another. And the and the city did look at two different designs on that. One was a roundabout. The other one was a, a three-way stop that had one lane running that curve that's basically still there it would be a non-stop lane where it would continue to continue to run and you would just have to stop if you were going to be turning left onto uh onto that extended road there so you know i i, I don't i don't know <clears throat> why it seems like roundabouts are now the cool thing to do so uh you know we have the roundabout oak road in 51 the projected roundabout here at some point we can afford it also at green tea in 51 there's a projected roundabout and i think at some point there's a m dot wants to do a roundabout at 50 uh, 51 in Pleasant Hill um, is, mm. I think, the, the the long-term goal there. So I don't know why, you know, I'm, I'm not an engineer, so I don't know why those are, the I guess, the cool things that do now. Maybe it's just cheaper, but um, they are they are the uh, traffic calming device of, 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 of choice right now. So And they are slightly – so comparing the roundabout plan with the, the, three, the three-way stop slash running lane um, – I want to say that the the three way stop was at fifty thousand dollars more, so I think it was around four hundred fifty thousand compared to four hundred thousand. So yeah, you certainly you know save a little bit of money there, um, you know. But additionally, I think people are a little more familiar with that. It would be an unusual kind of three way stop um, if that was if that was to be done that way. There's there's more asphalt that has to be poured. There's there's things that have to be engineered certainly. But um, it, it may it, be important to mention that. Um, no, highway 51 is a state highway, mm-hmm. and, and the city of Hernando does not have a lot of authority to do. We can't. We don't that's control true. the speed limits or what type of a stop sign or traffic signal goes there. That is a that's a state function of government. They pay that. Um, so that is true. But uh, as far as Holly Springs and Mackinville goes, it does look like either a whether it's a three way stop with one lane that runs nonstop. Um, additionally added on to it or if it's a or if it's a roundabout that's that's kind of the plan there for dealing with that traffic okay so the next thing also uh, people want to know about roads you know they, they yeah, just have well, to know they, about they, them, they drive them every day that's it uh, are there any future plans to create an exit on interstate 55 at slocum road so i'll take that one i know that you know obviously people are looking for other ways to get to the interstate because commerce stays just so uh, so busy that commerce exit stays so busy there is an exit coming in at star landing road eventually as part of the 55 widening plan but there are no plans currently uh, to put anything at slocum road i think that it was looked at um, at one point and maybe that's where that rumor this rumor came from uh, but right now there are no plans to do that it certainly makes sense because there is more growth kind of happening in south DeSoto county yeah, I think as you get the growth continuing in that southern part of Hernando or southern part of the county, you will see, you know, maybe 15, 20 years from now, but you'll that certainly be a good option for something like that. And really, ultimately, uh, and, and we'll, 
you'll probably hear some of this as we start talking about the new Hernando High School getting built later on with our super our superintendent Corey Usselton during our interview with him. We're going to touch on kind of the changing traffic patterns that you're going to be able to see with the city as the schools kind of change what grades go to what schools. Um, we'll talk about the traffic patterns a little bit there and how that might affect commerce and the traffic load on commerce. All right, next question we have. Uh, there are rumors. Uh, rumors again small town rumors you gotta have rumors in rumors. small town that's what uh, uh there's a song about that i think uh there are rumors <laughs> that the city of hernando is going to purchase the civic center ball field property is that true and if so will the city make improvements to the property once they own it it's a secret yeah <laughs> is it is it no i don't think so i don't think it is the, I, I, so i think that i've sat in at least on one meeting kind of negotiating the potential um, purchase of that property it is certainly far from finalized um and there's a lot a lot that goes on in those negotiations so so i think i think ben if you don't mind so uh, that property is owned by three civic clubs yes. the, the rotary club uh, the lions club and the saddle club uh, they own a third of that property um, they have approached the city i think in the past but most recently uh, again to to purchase that property uh, for them, and I, I think at a reasonable price. And we're just, and right now, um, we're kind of negotiating uh, maybe to get that price a little lower. Or um, I know that the Saddle Club is is wanting to stay on the property, and 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 uh, we're looking to try to get them some some maybe some state funding for a road. Uh, the mayor advised me the other day that there may be some some funds from the state uh, to help maybe with that purchase. So that that's where we are now. So take it, take it as away, far man. as as far as improving it. So. You know, what does that look like? Uh, first off, the, the Civic Center ball fields are in the county. They're not even in the city limits. So the first thing most likely that would have to happen is that that, that parcel of land would have to be annexed into the city limits. That would be something that would have to have to be done first and foremost. Once that is done, the the entire property would need to be developed up to the subdivision regulations of the city of Hernando, which means, you know, curb and, and, and gutter and sidewalk and some of the things that the, the property does not have, those there would need to be a plan for kind of getting that in place. Um, additionally, I think you would see things like, you know, lighting and electrical, um, you know, some of those upgrades that are needed at that facility, those, that those would certainly be targeted. You know, the fields out there are, have been used for decades, uh, and, and certainly need there, there's dirt work and things like that that are needed. But really what, what the city has to really decide on is the direction of baseball and softball for a long period of time. Um, you know, what would be best done out there would it be to you know completely start over on that property and build new fields and potentially have you know a, a gap for when uh when you have baseball and softball or do you just try to play do you just try to play through it and develop fields in another part of the city uh so there is a lot of uh things up in the air as far as purchasing that property and then deciding really what you would want done with it so uh that's something that the entire board has not discussed there's been uh, one or two that have set in on the negotiations of of purchasing this property, um, but as far as a, a a true plan that the entire board has talked about and agreed to, there is a master plan that was tied to the the, the penny for parks uh, vote that was voted down, but without ten percent tax man yeah without without adequate funding. Um, it would be difficult to execute that master plan. So, so right now we're in a, a situation where I think we have to uh, really come up with a really come up with the best option for those fields. Uh, there's some infrastructure things that are probably most needed to to uh, talk about 
you know, most of the drainage and, and dealing with a lot of the water out there, that's probably the biggest, the biggest need. And the next thing you would see is, you know, the lighting and safety elements. Yeah, but I, I'm safe to say that in, 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 within the next year, we'll, we'll have that property. Uh, I'm safe to say that now. Uh, once we get the property, what we do with it, that's going to be uh, you know, a budget decision. So, And it will be a long, it'll be a, it will, it will take time. It's not something that will be um, immediate. It'll take uh, several budgets to be able to get that uh, to where people's expectations are here in this community. So that's a few of the questions that we had uh, from our, from our online resource there. But certainly if you're on the Boardroom Podcast Facebook page, uh, you're always welcome to submit any kind of questions that you may have. Uh, there's always a lot going on that uh, we may know about, and it may not be things that are, um, that are talked about in the public meeting, but maybe you know, there's a business coming to town or something like that that uh, hasn't really hit the hit the news just yet, or maybe it has, and we can just tell you when it's coming or whatever it might be. Maybe you have a question about a specific property that you see being developed and you want to know what's going in there. Uh, whatever questions you have, feel free to pop them on that the Boardroom Podcast Facebook page. Ben, how's soccer going? Have y'all started playing yet? We have played. We played up in South Haven. We played a game that was pretty good. And then my youngest played her first soccer game uh, this week on Tuesday. And I think they won the game, but also it was 6U, so I don't think they officially keep score. Oh, we keep score in 6U. We keep score. Well, they don't officially, but the parents certainly keep score. So that's the most the, the, the score that matters the most for sure. But uh, So we definitely have a, a lot of fun out there. Um, the soccer complex does look pretty great right now. The, the grass looks pretty good um, out there. Um, anybody that's been out there, recently that that hasn't been out there for a while you know the uh, the parking lots paved now for the most part there's there's a couple little sections that still are left to be done um but soccer seems to be in full swing uh more soccer players this spring than last spring so that that program is definitely looking really healthy out there i want to give a quick shout out to the friends of hernando sports for they're working the concession stands for us uh, and I think they're, a lot of that money they're, they're, they're making at the concession stand they're going to put back into the program. So I want to make sure people are aware of that. They're doing a great job. And uh, if, if you get to, if you're at the soccer field and you want a hamburger, go get one. Or I think they got nachos and things. So they all got all kind of good stuff. And I think they put a. Uh, they also, if you go to their Facebook page, I think they have an Amazon wish list out there. So if you if you want to donate in some kind of way, or if you're you know if you're somehow living in another state or something like that, but you have grandkids that are playing uh, Hernando Rec Sports, and you want to try to find a way to you know to give and support, uh, there's there's items that they need donated um, that you can do that. I think they have some apparel and some things like that as well. So um, there's there's other ways to get involved other than you know visiting the concession stand. You can do some things uh, on the World Wide Web and uh, and support um, Hernando. Parks and Recreation. Yeah. Well, Ben, what else you got, man? Uh, spring break's coming up. So yeah, well, you got y'all going out of town? And we're not, we're not, we're going to do a staycation. There so we're going to be we're going to be hanging here in Hernando and enjoying everything that uh, you know DeSoto County and this area has to offer. But speaking of spring break, taking a break from the schools, we've got our uh, guest coming in here with us right now, our superintendent of schools, Corey Usselton. Uh, we've got to sit down with him and an interview more about the. Uh, state-of-the-art Hernando High School that's coming to the area. Top of the line. Coming to Ward 6, of all places, uh, here in Hernando. <laughs> so let's, let's get to our project. interview here. All right, and now we have our superintendent of schools joining us here on the Boardroom Podcast, uh, Corey Usselton. So Corey was elected, or Mr. Usselton was elected in 2015 to be the leader of the largest school district in the state here in DeSoto County, 34,000 students, I think. Uh, and 
most important, I guess, for the Hernando area is the the new high school that's coming to the area. But let's welcome in uh, our superintendent, uh, Corey Usselton. Thank, Thank you, guys. Uh, it's my honor to be here today. I appreciate the invitation. Yeah, I think you're our biggest guest so far, I think. Right, right Ben? In terms of prestige. <laughs> oh, gotcha. Okay. Yes. I mean, yes, he's absolutely the, the, the biggest guest thus far. All right. For sure. But, well, th- tell us a little bit about... I guess what we talk about a lot on this podcast is kind of how local government works and the roles of government. So in terms of your day-to-day and kind of working with the school board, what, what does all that look like and how do those roles kind of interact with each other? Well, you mentioned I was elected in 2015 and uh, I was an elected superintendent, but then as soon as I got into office, uh, the legislature changed uh, all superintendents to appointed superintendents. And so we all had an opportunity to serve out the rest of our term uh, through 2019. I believe it was about 2017, our board approached me about becoming an appointed superintendent. So they actually appointed me to that position a little bit early. And uh, our relationship, we've got five school board members. Those five uh, board members are elected by the people. Uh, They uh, represent the same districts as the board of supervisors. And uh, so it's a good mix because with me being appointed by the school board, uh, that takes some of the politics out of the uh, superintendent position from the standpoint of, you know, you're not out fundraising, you're not out, uh, you know, trying to get donations and, and running a campaign. Uh, because I could see where, you know, when it came time for this would be an election year, uh, for yeah. example. And uh, right now I'm focused on running the school district, making sure our uh, boys and girls are getting the best education they can possibly get. And, and I'm not trying to run a political campaign during the middle of it. And, and I could see where that would have been very difficult. So uh, but with that being said, uh, you know, the voice of the people is heard because our board members are elected uh, by the people. At the same time, uh, our board members uh, are not involved in day to day operations. They're more uh, involved in the governance and the, and the policies and uh, the vision of the school district moving forward. And uh, then I'm in charge of the day-to-day operations, and then then they monitor uh, my activity and also uh, evaluate my performance and things of that nature. And y'all still meet on Thursdays a lot? That- we, we do. Our uh, regular board mem- uh, meetings, which are set by board policy, those are the first Thursday of every month. And just about every month, we also have a recess board meeting. There might be uh, month, uh, sometimes in December, uh, because of the Christmas break, depending on how many weeks there are, uh, we'll only have one. We've had two traditionally December this upcoming year. We'll only have one, uh, but just every other, every month, we're going to have two board meetings, a regular board meeting, then a recess board meeting. One well, for myself, <clears throat> when I first started this journey into becoming a, a public official and, and getting elected as an alderman, one of the things I've said to many people is one of the reasons why my wife and I chose to live in Hernando is just you know, because of really good schools, we were planning on starting a family. Um, but also that the way that a city kind of develops, the way that it grows, you know, directly impacts the schools here. So how have you seen uh, DeSoto County develop and how has it kind of enhanced the school district? Well, I was, my wife and I are about like y'all. We, uh, Amanda and I were married in uh, 2001. And uh, I was uh, became the boys' basketball coach at Hernando High School that year, and so we moved to Hernando right after we were married. Uh, we, we looked at DeSoto County like a lot of people who were looking to move here. We wanted to uh, raise a family here. We, we just thought it would be a great place to live uh, and to, to raise our family. And so we, we moved here, became a part of the community, and we see that a lot. We see people who uh, move here, and the schools are a big part of that. And uh, when we talk about 
which comes first? Uh, is it the schools? Is it the people moving in? I think it's a mix of both. Uh, when we get uh, good growth and we have people moving to Hernando, and those are people who uh, value education, no matter what school zone they're moving into, uh, it, then it enhances the schools with that. And when you get parents who care about education and who really want their uh, child to succeed uh, academically, uh, they're going to put an emphasis on education at home, and then it makes the teacher's job easier too. And so uh, I've seen just during my time uh, as a basketball coach and assistant principal and principal superintendent, all those positions in DeSoto County, I've seen the, the district grow. Uh, I've seen, uh, you know, many, many people move to DeSoto County. And and I really feel like the, the school system is a big part of the economic growth, too, because in, in any community, uh, because the, the more successful the schools are, then you have businesses and industries moving in. And then when those businesses and industries are looking to relocate, they always ask about the public school system because their their workers are going to be sending their kids to school, and so they they want to make sure that there's a good school system there uh, that their their families will benefit from. Now, when you're the basketball coach back in the early 2000s, how much time did you spend recruiting Chad to be on one of your teams? Uh, we we I talked for, for I think it was, we talked for what was it that day about five seconds. <laughs> That's I think. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Chad, uh, yeah, we were we were talking earlier. Uh, yeah, some uh, Chad may have a yearbook he can find. Yeah, there. I, I was it. actually I, I, I didn't have Chad in class, and, and I'll say that that was probably a good thing yeah. because I was the in school suspension yeah. teacher right. uh, during my thing. three years in Hernando, and so I won't name on this program any <laughs> any of your listeners that may have been in my class or anything, but. Uh, but it, that, that was a that was an interesting uh, position at the time. But yeah, I was a basketball coach for uh, three years and uh, really and really enjoyed that. And uh, I had some, I got got a pretty good team. I, I think my senior year, Danny Forbes, yeah, were playing. Yeah, well, you uh, Chad was honestly a big member of uh, Coach U's crew. That's right. I was uh, I forgot about that. Yeah, they That's had right. T-shirts and the whole thing, yeah. and uh, so we would come out and <laughs> and I mean we had one of the best student sections you could find anywhere. They were so involved in the games, and sometimes right. I had to calm them down a little bit because they. <laughs> We were playing a really good team. They would they would target the yeah. the best player on the other team, shooter or whatever, and I'd yeah. tell them, "Look, you need y'all need to calm down. I, I don't want that guy getting fired up, you know." And so, uh, but now they did, and they followed us all over the place, and uh, we had a really good time. I really enjoyed those three years coaching. Like Chad said, they we had a great student section and uh, pretty good pretty good ball club during that time, and uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, Mr. Elson, talk about. I know the, you said the school was thirty four thousand. Could you talk about how much larger you guys are than anybody else in the state, and 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 really, you know, why do you think that's the case? Well, really, we're uh, we we've hit an all time high this year. We're uh, just over thirty five thousand, okay. and uh, we were we were at thirty four thousand seven hundred before COVID hit, and uh, a lot of people around the state were worried about uh, losing students during that time, as far as them going homeschool or or doing things virtually, things of that nature. We lost just a little bit of enrollment uh, during that time, but then we gained it back plus some. And uh, so we're at a record enrollment now. And, and what I've seen uh, over the last uh, several years, in 2009, that's when Jackson Public was the largest and DeSoto County was right on its heels and, and DeSoto County was passing Jackson Public during that time. But now uh, we're over 35,000 and I uh, believe the Next highest district, I believe, is uh, Jackson Public and Rankin County are right there together. Uh, both of them have got just slightly over um, 18,000 students. And wow. and so we're honestly uh, not only the largest school district, uh, but there's not really, you know, anyone you know within uh, 15,000 students of DeSoto County Schools. Uh, the Rankin County superintendent's a good friend of mine, and he and I talk from time to time because 
uh, you know, when you have a large district with different school zones, uh, he's someone I can relate to there. And then uh, after that, you also got Harrison County and uh, Madison County. I think Harrison County has about 17,000, Madison about thirteen or 14,000. And uh, it's just, it's a challenge when you have as many students as we have. Uh, but at the same time, uh, every day is exciting. We always have a lot of great opportunities out there. And the districts broke down to eight eight school zones? Yes, we have eight school zones, and eight high schools, eight middle schools. Right. So I'm, I'm assuming the growth is at Hernando, and that's why we're maybe uh, looking to build a new high school here. And Right. And that's part of it is I was speaking to a group a couple of weeks ago, and I talked about the difference in being proactive and reactive. And as a leader, you always want to be proactive. At the same time, when it comes to building classrooms or building schools, uh, you have to be reactive to a certain degree. And so... Uh, so during my time in office, I believe we've already built over 100 classrooms around the district uh, in, I want to say, five of the eight zones, uh, and that's because of growth. And, and each August when we get back into school, we study those enrollment numbers because that's the time of year where you'll see the biggest jumps or the biggest decreases is when you come back after the summer. And so we start evaluating for the next school year because if, if we're looking at the possibility of needing to add some teacher units to a school and they're already near capacity, we, we look at it and say, okay, we need to start building classrooms at this campus. And uh, so in, in in Hernando and in Lewisburg, we had done that, but we had run out of available space to build on some of those campuses. And that's that's where the new schools come in. It's easier on us if we're just building classrooms, because obviously a, a new school is a big venture, and, and we're not building a new school uh, just because of the age or anything of that nature. Even though Hernando's got the oldest high school, the age never came into question. Uh, Lewisburg, the reason uh, we built Lewisburg Middle School in 2020 was because uh, two of the elementary schools are very close together. And, and as we expanded and expanded on those campuses, there was just no more room for expansion there. And then here in Hernando, for everyone who's familiar with the schools, Hernando Elementary is built in a neighborhood. Uh, and so you got houses right there around it. We just run out of space to expand. Oak Grove is similar in that. And honestly, at Hernando Middle and Hernando High, uh, we had run out of run out of room there when when Chad and I were there together uh, back there around 2001 and two, we uh, we had Hall one, two, and three right. at Hernando High School, and then uh, about the time uh, he and I were both leaving, uh, Hall four came about. That's right. And then Hall five, and now just you a know couple, there's a Hall couple, five. And well, <laughs> and a couple summers ago, uh, we built Hall six, okay. and and but that goes back to Hernando had a different the Hernando High School campus had a different layout than the rest of the, the rest of the high schools, and so it became more and more difficult to add on yeah. there and uh, we just run out of room. But what this will do by building a new high school, it, it benefits the high school, but the main thing that it does is open up more elementary space. Cause as we talked about earlier, we're just run out of room to expand on those other campuses. And so this will give us four elementary schools instead of just three. And uh, that's, that's one of the main benefits from that. And I'm going to, I'm going to, you can, I'm going to see if I, yeah, I can pass the quiz of what is going to happen with all with all those schools. This is we're in an education format here, so you have a new Hernando High School potentially uh, ready to go 2025, fall of 2025. The current high school will become the middle school. The middle school will become the fourth grade, fifth grade school. The current fourth, fifth grade school, Oak Grove Central, will become a K one school. Uh, Hernando Elementary stays a K-1 school, and then Hernando Hills will stay a second and third grade school. How did I do? We're going to give Ben an A-plus. Yeah. He's wow. been studying that. Was, that was awesome. <laughs> now, for for everyone at home, he does have a cheat sheet in front of him. I'm just kidding. <laughs> he does not have that. He, he did that from memory. And uh, you're exactly right. So what will happen is uh, with the two K-1s, uh, what that will do, obviously, is it will cut 
the enrollment on both those campuses almost in half and give Hernando plenty of room to grow for the future. Uh, at Hernando Hills, uh, that campus, uh, the next time you see, see it, just pay attention to the land there. We've got plenty of available space, so we can continue to add on Hernando Hills. It's the only one of the five campuses that is like that. And so there's plenty of room uh, there. We just expanded it recently, and, and we'll likely have to con continue to expand Hernando Hills. And, uh, and then, you're right, Oak Grove will move to the middle school. Middle school moved to the high, and then the high school students will obviously move to the new school. My, uh, my four, my, he's five now. He's upset. He's, he's in the 4K program at Oak Grove, and I explained to him that, you know, after this year he's going to go to kindergarten. He won't go back to Oak Grove, I don't think. Oh, I think no. he'll go to Hernando Hills, and he's mad about that. He likes Oak Grove. So, so. He, so he's one that will never <laughs> – Yeah, he'll, he'll never get to go to back to Oak Grove, Grove because he'll be a first and second in Hernando Elementary, and then he'll go to the – Hernando Hills. Oh, that then, is. So he's he's mad about. It. He likes oh. he likes Miss Missy and that what Red Hall, I believe, is what yeah, he's on. He's, well, well, tell him I apologize. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry, we're not able to help out. Yeah. But, so I was explaining yeah. that to him a couple of weeks ago, and he was mad about yeah. that. Well, you so. know, that's the thing with change. And and my kids came through Hernando schools, and uh, you know, you go to all those schools, and everybody would attend all of them. It's just you know, just the natural progress of growth, and uh, some things have to change a little bit uh, because of the growth, and and that's one of those those changes that'll take place. I think additionally, what one of the things that I and this may be something that was considered and, and thought about. I'm sure it was, but right now the, you know, a lot of people talk about the traffic on Mackinville getting in and out of the high school and middle school. We have uh, seven grades of kids going in there, but with these changes, you're only going to have five grades going in there. So you you would think some of that traffic, it's going to be different kinds of traffic too. You're not going to have as many student drivers obviously driving to middle school um, compared to high school. Was that kind of part of the, the plan as well there? Was that a consideration? Well, you're right. And just like at, at Lewisburg, where you had uh, 13 grades going on to that one campus, uh, you know, now it's 10 going on there, so you have less cars coming on campus. Same thing in Hernando. Was You said it exactly right. It'll be a different uh, type of driver. Uh, so you'll still have a lot of parents driving on campus because everybody on there will be uh, fourth and fifth grade. Uh, and then you got six, something, eight. So we're not really sure exactly how many cars will be coming off campus, uh, but it'll change the traffic flow also because commerce uh, right now, we know that commerce, Mackinville uh, interchange, especially in that intersection in the morning is very difficult because everybody's turning to go in that direction. Uh, well, a lot of that traffic now will be diverted to the north. Uh, you'll have many people that'll uh, take I-55 uh, up to I-269, uh, two-lane road, uh, from the uh, west side of town, uh, they'll they'll probably go up and hit 269 there. And then I would think people on the east side of town may try to use Getwell to get up there. Uh, and so I think that uh, you'll see uh, a lot of different – it'll be a different traffic flow. And I think it should help the city uh, from that standpoint uh, in the morning times and in the afternoon. Um, let's talk about uh, the school resource officers. I know that was a big thing you pushed last year. If you want to talk about getting a school resource officer in every school, I think that's very important, and if you want to talk about that. I, I appreciate you bringing that up. Uh, I was uh, at a program earlier today. Uh, I missed those younger grades. Uh, my boys are now in ninth and 12th grade, and I went to Hernando Elementary. I was invited over today. They had a little kindergarten, first grade program, and a lot of parents on campus, but I saw two of our uh, finest Hernando police officers out front. Do a great uh, job. Yeah, just sit, you know, out there and just being visible. And uh, and I want to start out by thanking uh, both of y'all on the, the board of aldermen, and between uh, y'all and the board, rest of the board of aldermen and the mayor. And I can say that for for all of our municipalities, this was a, a team effort uh, to make sure that we had a school resource officer in every school in DeSoto County. Uh, so from from every mayor. 
uh, all the Board of Aldermen, the Board of Supervisors, the Police Chiefs, Sheriff Rasco, uh, everybody. It was just a team effort uh, to get that done. And so just to give you a little bit of background and uh, talking about the cities is that uh, in uh, Horn Lake, the Sheriff's Department uh, covers all the Horn Lake schools, including Career Tech. Uh, in South Haven, uh, the city of South Haven covers five of the schools, and uh, the Sheriff's Department covers five. City of Olive Branch, uh, they cover all uh, 10 of the schools, including Career Tech. Uh, the Sheriff's Department covers all the unincorporated areas. And uh, here in Hernando, uh, the Hernando Police Department covers all five of the schools in Hernando. And with that being said, uh, when I came into office in 2016, we had one school resource officer covering five schools. And so he would just make his rounds during the day and go from one school to the next. And uh, just, you know, from talking to parents and talking to teachers and everyone wants to have uh, a school resource officer on campus just from a safety standpoint of being proactive. Uh, when people see the police car out front, uh, it reassures them to know that there's a law enforcement official on campus. And we want a law enforcement official. We want someone who is trained and who already works for a police uh, force. Uh, not someone that, that necessarily that we hire. And so we felt that that was important for uh, for us to have someone who's working with those agencies. And um, once again, I'm very appreciative of uh, the city of Hernando, along with all of our municipalities in DeSoto County and with the Board of Supervisors and the Sheriff's Department for coming through for us. And I think when we had Mark Gardner on, he, he made this statement. I think it's important to, to mention it again that, you know, we all, the city, the county, the school board, we all have different agendas sometimes, but we all work very well together to get to accomplish the goal, and this is a prime example of that. I agree, and uh, I was just glad that everybody could come together. We uh, you know, we were willing to, to make a financial investment in it from the district standpoint, and, and the cities and the county were, were also willing to do that because uh, we all had to work together financially and also work together in the hiring process and everything else, and, and, and I think that just goes back to – like Ben was talking about at the beginning of the show, DeSoto County and the reason people move here is uh, everybody came together and, and everybody's working together. And it just makes my job so much easier when you know you have the support of the cities and the county government. So just talk about the day in the life of a superintendent. What 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 do you do every day? What do you are you grading papers? What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, a little bit tough. I'm not grading uh, Ben Ben Piper's uh, pop quiz over here uh, that we had earlier. But uh Usually, to be honest with you, but the way my day uh, is structured, uh, I try to uh, have meetings in the mornings uh, with our directors, uh, with our assistant superintendents, uh, any other groups. I try to set those up as early as possible in the morning before the day gets going really good. Uh, because uh, during the day, there, from time to time, there may be situations come up that need my attention. And I can focus on that one-on-one -on -one meeting more in the mornings uh, you know, before those other things occupy my time. I try to go out and visit at least uh, two or three schools every day um, and try to get out and usually go out to one, just one of the eight zones and uh, visit a couple of those uh, just to visit with the principal, walk around the hall for a minute, maybe stand out in the commons, have a conversation, see a few people and just kind of, you know, get a good idea of if there's anything that they need my help with. I, I'm not, I think it's very important that I do not stay in the office all day. I, I think as superintendent, you've got to be out and you got to go to the schools. And with 43 schools, uh, you can't be at uh, a how, school. How many employees week. you have? Uh, we have over 4,000 employees. So you're probably the largest employer in the county. We are. We are. Yeah. And so uh, getting out and being a part of that is, is key because if, if I did not schedule that time on my calendar to go out every day to schools, uh, I would never leave the office because there's always going to be something going on that occupies your time. But I'll just have a certain block of time, about two hours every day, to where 
I made sure to, to get out and uh, to visit schools and, and to be a part of that. And then uh, there, there are situations that come up um, almost uh, on a daily basis. I mean, with every two to three days, uh, there's something uh, along the lines that might be a safety situation uh, that needs my attention as far as uh, giving input to a principal. There may be a situation that comes up just like with the city. There may be a water main break. There may be some electricity that's out somewhere. Uh, some something along those lines, anything that disrupts a normal school day. Uh, and so uh, usually those are the ones that uh, that draw my attention. And then from time to time, I have to be in Jackson or have to be at different meetings uh, elsewhere, but try to go to the chamber events, all the all those different things uh, go on during the day. Another, so the biggest thing I think going on right now in Hernando, really obviously as far as education education goes, is the construction of the new high school. Uh, we've touched on that a little bit and kind of what the changes mean. But so for those of y'all not familiar, if you are on, you know, 269, you get off on the Mackinville exit and you head north, the new high school will be located at 1200 Mackinville Road. So maybe you can punch in 1200 Mackinville Road and drive past there. There's some dirt work going on, things like that. But so what can you tell us about the new high school to kind of get people, you know, prepared, excited about what's going on out there? Well, any time that you uh, have a new school uh, in a school district or in a school zone, uh, it'll attract a lot of attention. And, and we're excited that uh, that people in Hernando are, are looking forward to the progress of it. Uh, the actual school building uh, is a little bit of a mix of three different things. First of all, the structure, the, the blueprint, the layout is uh, very similar to what we have at Horn Lake High School. Uh, that structure's worked very well. Uh, we've got uh, six wings that all extend out from the commons. There'll be three wings on the south end of campus and three wings on the north end. If you were to drive out there today and look at it, you can already see two of the south wings uh, where you can already see where those are taking shape out there. Uh, and so the actual, like I said, the blueprint, the inside is going to be very similar to Horn Lake High School. The uh, front of the school is going to be a more modern look, similar to what we have at South Haven High School. South Haven uh, was the last high school uh, that was built in DeSoto County, uh, and I believe that was uh, and that was over 10 years ago. And so uh, it has a little bit more of a modern look. Uh, we want it to be modern, but at the same time not so modern that it's you know, out of style in a few years. So we still like the traditional look of it, but at the same time just kind of sprucing it up there. Uh, and then um, with that, it'll be a lighter colored brick. We use that out at, uh, at Lewisburg Middle School. And so it'll it'll have a lighter uh, brown look on the brick. And so mixing those three things together, and, and a lot of our high schools and middle schools look exactly the same uh, because they were all built during that same time. And so as new high schools are built, we know that uh, you know the look of look of those will change, and uh, this will be a, a newer look as as we move forward. And if new high schools are built in the next few years, they'll probably they would probably have a similar look to this one. Uh, with that being said, we'll have the uh, all the athletic facilities will be there. Uh, we're moving everything there from uh, the, look, talking about the fields. We'll have football, baseball, softball fields will be there. Uh, we'll have tennis courts. Um, and then practice facilities are a big part of it too. Uh, that's one of the things that's uh, difficult at Hernando High School. My boys uh, both have been playing uh, football and soccer, and there's just not enough practice space. Um, they're they're very limited there, and so uh, there's only two practice fields at Hernando High School, and you got all the sports plus the band uh, that that have those. So the band will have their own practice field uh, behind the high, the new high school. Football will have at least one, possibly two practice fields. Uh, 
Uh, and then the soccer teams will each have a practice field for the boys and girls soccer teams. So they'll, that'll help. And then also the uh, football field uh, will be a turf football field. Uh, we are installing turf wow. at all of our all eight of our high schools right now. Uh, we're in the process of doing that. And so uh, when the new high schools built, Hernando High School will be the last school to get the turf. Uh, they'll get that in summer of 25. Uh, we uh, are going to that Olive Branch High School. Uh, we put down a new turf there in uh, 2020. Uh, they had installed a turf. Uh, there, I, I believe the community had put in turf uh, about 10 years prior to that. When the turf uh, was wearing out, we came back in and put in a brand new turf there. And uh, so we've had people who've been jealous of the, the new turf that they've had. And I've, I've had people <laughs> asking me about that for quite some time. And so uh, we're making an investment there. We're starting this summer putting in two uh, schools with turf, two the next summer. And then the last summer will be two plus Hernando. And uh, the reason being for that is because, uh, like, it's just – we don't want our athletes to be at a competitive disadvantage. And with us uh, moving to seven, eight, five of our eight high schools, uh, there are 19 other 7A programs in Mississippi, and 18 of them have turf already. And uh, it'll, it'll benefit football. It'll benefit the soccer programs a lot because of the weather that you get during the wintertime. And it'll benefit the band because they'll be able to prepare for their state contests with your own turf. And it'll benefit baseball and softball because they can go out there and practice during that time of year. And just in case anyone's wondering how do we pick which two uh, got them each summer, we had a lottery. <laughs> and uh, seriously, we had them, oh, wow. uh, had them draw their uh, year out of a hat because I was not going to be the superintendent that was going to tell one – one school that they could get turf, and then they another one had to wait two years. So everyone had uh, had an opportunity. Uh, Lewisburg and South Haven won the uh, first year. Okay. Yeah. Well, that will be a huge upgrade, and it's you know it's kind of wild with a lot of these school districts. It's almost like a little not that they compete against each other for recruits or anything like that, like colleges do, but you know a lot of these school districts really push out. Hey, this is what we're doing for. Uh, football or baseball or whatever else and it's really it, it's gotten to where it becomes like a viral thing like uh, who has the nicest stadiums or you know whatever it might be um so i could definitely see how that will really benefit um you know DeSoto county i think it'll uh, definitely shine a good light in in that in that uh, regard for sure uh so a lot a lot of practice space it sounds like uh for athletics also for the band which i mean the band is very well regarded. I mean, they, they bring home state championships, so they're definitely definitely needed um, as well. You know, more space, and it sounds like more space to be able to expand as well because I think that, you know, I don't think Hernando's necessarily done growing from a population standpoint either. Is that the case? Like, we're be able to add on to wherever y'all are at? Right. We've got some extra space uh, inside the facility, but also it's going to be built to where uh, more classrooms could be added on if needed. Do y'all have a number, kind of what that school can hold, the one you're building? Or We're looking right now, that it, it looks like it could hold between seventeen and eighteen hundred, okay. and right now our enrollment's around fourteen hundred, and so uh, it's just under fourteen hundred. So, plenty of room to grow, and then at the same time, we could add on if we needed to. And then, as we were saying on the other campuses, all the other campuses will have uh, room to grow with the current facilities, sure. and then at Hernando Hills, we'll be able to add on there. Anything else? Well, I, I would just say, you know, one of the things that I've noticed, too, is that there seems to be kind of a push from, uh, you know, from folks to to look at, you know, private school options. And everybody, everybody has different, you know, values from from that sort of set as well. And it seems like there's there's been kind of a, a shift uh, for some folks to look at, the, you know, the private school options in Soto County, despite 
at being one of the leading school districts in the state. Um, so do y'all have do y'all track that at all? Do y'all try to look for kind of what what the enrollments with those schools are, or have any kind of conversation with those folks, or is it really something that's just kind of not in y'all's not in y'all's wheelhouse at all? It's not something that we really look at. I mean, we respect everybody's, um, you know, the options that are out there. And uh, I think it helps everybody when there are good private school options out there for parents. Uh, we have uh, several options here in our area. And uh, and I think that, you know, we, we have families that'll that'll come to us from private schools. And we have families who leave uh, DeSoto County schools to go to private schools. And uh, there's a mix of reasons uh, why they may do that. But as I said, I, I think it's um, I, we respect decisions uh, that are made like that, but at the same time, I think it benefits all of us. Those schools are growing, uh, just like our school districts growing, and and I think all of us will uh, continue to grow just because uh, as the county you know gains more and more population. But uh, we've got a good working relationship with all the private schools, and uh, and and we we love seeing them succeed, uh, you know, just as much as is our own school district because I think uh, when you have those options in DeSoto County, it just makes us all better. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I just thought my wife would be mad if I didn't mention the great job the special education department does. You well, she does a there. great job, too. We'll go ahead and, and give her a shout out here. So, yeah, and they, they really do a great yeah, job. They, they do a lot of stuff that people don't realize. So you're exactly they do a great right. Job, so. a, lot of, a lot of work behind the scenes there. We certainly appreciate having our, our DeSoto County Superintendent, Corey Esselton, with us. Again, thank you so much for your time. There's only so much time in the day, so we appreciate you uh, giving us some valuable minutes here just to discuss what's going on with the DeSoto County School District. So we appreciate it. Great. Thank, thank you, you again you. for the invitation. Yes, sir. Thanks. All right, that was Corey Esselton, the DeSoto County School Superintendent. Chad, we've got another show coming up this month, uh, later on in the month, and uh, that'll come to you guys uh, the, the last weekend of the uh, month of March. It's March 24th we'll record, so it'll be 27th when it comes out. Yeah, so so be on the lookout for that. But uh, for today, I'm uh, Ben Piper. I'm Chad. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for joining us for an episode of the Boardroom Podcast, presented by People for a Better DeSoto County. I hope we were able to inform you and give you some additional insight on how your local government works. Stay engaged. Local government is the closest to the people. Honor.